Have you ever seen a picture of a baby or a toddler? And uh, the toddler is throwing a tantrum. And then in the uh, caption, it shows what the tantrum was about. I've seen these thrown around on social media quite a bit, uh, where you've got this child throwing a tantrum, and in the caption it says something like, Mom won't let my son eat dog food, right? Or Dad won't let me have my juice that I was trying to spill on the cat, right? Those types of things where the toddlers are, are doing something that they probably shouldn't be doing and they're throwing a tantrum for it and then the parents are like, what am I supposed to do? They're just screaming for no reason except for they want to do something that they shouldn't be doing and it's actually somewhat harmful. Heidi and I have an eight-month-old. Joshua is at the age where he's quite mobile. He's crawling around, quite getting into places, and lately we've had to deter him from getting to a certain place in the living room. We've been putting up chairs, little barricades, a little, little baby exercise if he has to like crawl over chairs to get to what he wants. What he wants to get to is the power cable for the lamp. <laughs> Not just so he can play with the lamp cord, but because he wants to chew on it. He's got five teeth now, and he wants to test them out, and he is furious when we blocked off that way for him to go there. And he's furious that we pull him away from the lamp cord. He just wants to eat the lamp cord. No harm, no foul, right? Right now he hasn't gotten through any of the rubber, right? So he's, he's probably, or the plastic or whatever it is that's connected to the lamp cord. But at some point, if we let him continue to do that, what we have in mind for him is to grow up big and healthy and strong and live a long life. But he is so focused on getting to that lamp cord, he's furious at his parents for not letting him get to it. When things get crazy in our life, sometimes it's chaos, sometimes it's pain, I think we end up falling into the same category with God. Things are going on in our life and we don't see the big picture and we're so focused on trying to get to that lamp cord to chew down on that. And yet, Sometimes pain enters our life, sometimes chaos, sometimes just challenges in our life are there, and we can't see anything more than what is right in front of us, what we really want right in that moment. All you can see is what's right in front of you. The election didn't go the way that you had planned. The class that you were taking, you just failed or you feel like you're going to fail soon. You didn't get the promotion that you thought you deserved. Your niece was just diagnosed with cancer. When pain enters your life, suddenly it's hard to trust God. It's hard to see what God is doing. And for all of the theology that you know in your head, when it comes to those Moments in your life, it's hard for that to translate. Our view of God shrinks down because we're so struggling with what we see right in front of us. Now, there's a quote I'd like to share with you um, from a guy named Albert uh, or Alfred Eldersheim. And of course, I can't get this thing to work again, so. There we go. Maybe it did work this time. Hey, it is working. 
this quote, uh, Alfred Aldersheim is a, was a theologian. Uh, he was a Jewish convert to Christianity back in the late 1800s, and he says this as he addresses the topic that I'm talking about. For God to explain a trial would be to destroy its purpose, which is to produce simple faith and obedience. Even when things don't go the way that we think they should, God is still in control. God still desires our faith, our faithful following of God and following Jesus and the plan that he has set before us. Well, today's story that we're looking at, that we read this morning, we struggle a little bit to see what Jesus' plans are. In fact, the characters in this narrative followed the same, or had the same struggle. As they were hearing what Jesus was telling them, they didn't quite understand what he had planned. Why was he doing what he was doing? In, in verse 1, we find out that Lazarus, of chapter 11, we find out that Lazarus is sick. And you'd think Lazarus is somebody that we find out that Jesus deeply loves, along with Mary and Martha, her siblings, or his siblings, right? Jesus loves this family. He loves this family in Bethany, and he finds out that, that Lazarus is sick, and our immediate response, I'm assuming the, the response of Lazarus's siblings, was to send for Jesus because they know that Jesus can heal those who are sick. Their theology of what Jesus had been doing, who Jesus was, was very clear and, and evident. In fact, they know that Jesus can heal him. And so they send for Jesus, and Jesus, it says that he loves Lazarus very much, and so he stays and does ministry for two more days, right? <laughs> why, would he, why would he stay and do ministry? Why would he, like, if, if he's sick, if he's really sick, why is he doing this for two more days? In fact, uh, in verse 4, it says this, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, or in some translations it says doesn't end in death. This illness will not uh, end in death or lead to death. It is for the glory of God. It is for the glory of God that he's sick. It is for the glory of God that he's enduring this. It is for the glory of God that Lazarus will be experiencing this, right? It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, we see this, and we kind of like, what do you mean he's sick? Like, so you're going to go heal him. But no, we find out that he stays two more days. And that's what verse 6 tells us. Verse 7, the disciples hear that Jesus wants to go back to Judea. Now, last time I preached, we talked about Jesus' claim that he is Yahweh. When he said, I am, before Moses was, I am. And what did the, the uh, Jews around there want to do? They picked up stones and they're ready to stone him. Now that was going, if they went through Judea, that was exactly where they were just at, where they fled from. They managed to get away and uh, they got away with their life and they went to do ministry in the location where they're at now, only to find out that, that uh, Lazarus is sick. And so then they tell him, all right, uh, we don't think that's a good idea, Jesus. We were just in a position where you were going to be killed, maybe imprisoned. Like, why do you want to go back to Judea? And then he says something of the nature of, well, because Lazarus is sleeping. They didn't understand. He's got to explain it. And all of this, all of this, the disciples are sitting there saying, 
What, what is going on? Why are you doing what you're doing? They didn't fully understand it. And sometimes when things are crazy in our life, we don't understand what Jesus is doing. We don't understand what God is doing in our life when things are crazy. And then in uh, verse 15, Jesus tells his disciples it's actually good that he wasn't there to save Lazarus, to stop him from being sick, to heal him from his illness. And his disciples, again, I'm sure, questioning, why, why was that good? He's, he's dead now. If you were there, it would have healed him. Thomas, and I, I really like Thomas and some of the things that he says because he reminds me of me. It's like, all right, well, if that's what you want, Jesus, let's go and die with Lazarus, right? If, if you think that that's a good idea, we might as well go and join Lazarus in his death by going through Judea where we will probably be stoned. And Jesus is like, don't worry, everything will be fine. I'm in control. Well, beyond our pain, God is there to get you through. In this morning's passage, we're going to see three truths to help you as you're enduring pain. The first truth that we see is that beyond pain, God has a plan. Beyond pain, God has a plan. We see this in the, the story after, uh, as we pick up uh, in, in verse 17, that Mary and Martha are grieving Lazarus And as they're grieving Lazarus, we get to see what's going on uh, in their life and what's going on in their immediate struggle. Verse 17 says this, now when Jesus came, he stood, or sorry, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Now I've experienced this type of grief in my life. I've actually had a a brother who passed away when I was uh, 18 years old, he was 19. And I saw people grieve differently. For Martha, the way that she's grieving here is she's running out to Jesus. And she's, from what I can see, she still believes in Jesus. She still trusts in Jesus. She still has a theology of who Jesus is and what he's capable of. But at the same time, Martha's a little bit irritated. Like, if you were there, you would be able to save him. Mary, on the other hand, she sits there. And she continues to mourn, I'm not going to go talk to Jesus. I'm not ready to talk to him right now. I'm not ready for that. The passage uh, continues. So Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went to him, and Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, I think right after that statement, Martha goes kind of into like a backtrack mode which is what I would do, I think, if I were in that situation. Because I would say something that like popped out of my mouth and I'd be like, what did I just say, right? And after Martha says this, the very next thing she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. 
And she kind of backtracks, and she's like, but I know you're still God, and I know you're still in control. I know you're the Messiah. She'll say that in a little bit. But I don't know why you weren't here. It was a two day, probably a two-day's journey from where they're at, because by the time they found out that Lazarus had uh, died, they'd come back to go to, to Lazarus, and it had been four days that he had been dead. Why didn't you come right away? When you found out Lazarus was sick, why didn't you come and then you could have healed him? But I know that you're still in control. I know you're still God. Whatever you ask, the Father will do. But I'm a little bit perturbed that you didn't come back here and rescue my brother when he was sick. Now, it's kind of a statement of respect as well as a statement of disappointment. We've had those situations in our lives, I'm sure, where you were disappointed that somebody did what they did, but you still have respect for their position and their authority. For Jesus, they had seen what Jesus had done. They have been involved in a lot of the ministry. They followed him in different places that he had gone, where he had healed people. He had, he had allowed blind people to see. He had, he had gotten to the, uh, he had continued to do ministry where he was doing phenomenal things. And at the same time, their, what they believed in their head struggled to come out in their actions and their heart. Jesus, we've looked at the other areas where he knew he had, a, he had everything under control. He had the plan. What he talked to about his disciples, like, hey, we're going to go through Judea. Why would we do that? They just tried to stone you. It's all right. We're going to be fine. There's 12 hours of light in the day, and if you follow the light, you'll be okay. Why did you wait to do two, di- two days' worth of ministry? It's okay. It's not going to end in his death. But he just died. And if the sisters heard that, which I think the message was then sent back to the sisters, this message that, you know, Lazarus' illness isn't going to end in death, it isn't going to lead to death, they've got to be questioning Jesus' authority. You said that it wasn't going to end in his death, and look, he's been in the tomb for four days. Sometimes I think we struggle with this. Trusting God even when things we can't comprehend to be real are real. When we can't comprehend that, that God is going to work these things for the good because we're struggling with how anything can come good out of this. Jesus still has a plan. And Martha runs out and says, you know what, Jesus, I'm, I'm not sure exactly why you didn't come here. But I know now, even if you ask the Father right now, if you ask God, he will give it to you. Beyond your pain, God has a plan. No matter how hard it feels right now, whether you're dealing with the pain and you're in the moment of pain right now or you've experienced pain and you're still struggling with what God is doing, remember that God has a plan even in your pain. And beyond your pain, God has a plan. The second truth I want to share with you is that beyond pain, God brings perspective. We see a little bit of that with Martha here, where she came to that moment of perspective, where she says, hey, why weren't you here? But I know that you're still in control. I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give to you. She kind of had this perspective. Let's continue in verse 23. Jesus said to her, 
your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Her theology, at that, in that statement right there, her theology was really good. Lazarus had trusted in Jesus, and he will rise again on the last day. When the resurrection happens of, of, of everybody, uh, Jesus uh, will raise him from the dead, and he will be with, with the Father. But Jesus had something more in mind, this plan that they didn't fully understand, and this perspective they weren't quite grasping. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever, or, and everyone who, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And this was a moment where Martha had to be, uh, re, uh, this, her theology had to be reinforced in her life. She needed to truly believe, is Jesus really the one who can do this type of thing? Is he capable of raising the dead? She's seen him do different miracles, but could she raise the dead? Jesus is life. Jesus is the resurrection. And this foreshadows what's going to happen in the future, right? There's something that Jesus has said a couple of times, uh, or he'll, he'll say a couple of times in this passage, that it's actually good that he wasn't there to, to save Lazarus. And the reason was that, so that they would see the Son of God do something miraculous and raise the dead. And that was to give them a better understanding of who Jesus was. Because there was going to be something that happens not too far from this passage that is going to seem unbelievable, that's going to sound just completely out of this world. That even though Jesus was going to die on the cross, three days later he was going to rise from the dead. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, there were going to be a lot of people that are going to struggle with whether or not even Jesus could do that. And yet, in this situation, we see that Jesus is going to be glorified. Jesus tells Martha, do you believe that I am the resurrection? Do you believe that I am the life and in me? That people who, even though they die, they're going to have eternal life. Their life will be never-ending. They will be resurrected. Do you believe that? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. You're the Messiah. That's what the word Christ means. You're the, you're the Savior. You're the one that we uh, have been waiting for that was going to save us from the sins that we uh, were, uh, were uh, surrounded with, that we were, uh, we were uh, stuck with. Our sins were in need of being removed and cleaned, and the only way that that was going to happen was through the blood of Jesus. And I believe that you're the Savior. Now, we played a game in the youth ministry, a uh, a couple of weeks ago where we uh, took this zoomed-in picture, and it was either a Muppet from uh, the Sesame Street, 
or it was a 1970s shag carpet. So it was Muppet or carpet. And they zoomed in, they looked in really close, and it was like a 50-50. They, there was no like, real knowing one way or the other that, in fact, the winner did get five out of 10. And there was a complete guess the whole time. But in this, they were looking so close in, they didn't see the big picture. We do this sometimes with photography where we zoom in so much that we're missing out on something that's even greater that's going on. Uh, it's kind of like when you go to sports games and the, there are people on their phone trying to get like, something up really close and they're missing what's going on in the actual game. I had a, a couple of students in ministry in years past. Uh, one student had lost her father when she was younger. Uh, the other student uh, seemingly had a, a really good life but was struggling in school. The girl who talked to uh, a, the, the friend who struggled in school was talking to her about how she was able to do well in a class. The teacher was harsh according to, to, to this girl and so she uh, said, you know what, how I studied was this way and I ended up getting an A in the class. Well, the girl who was struggling with school felt like the girl who had lost her father had been demeaning her, saying, you're just dumb. You just don't know how to study. If you would just study right, then you would be a better student. You would do better in school. Because she was so focused on her problem, whether or not she did well in school, it actually caused that family to leave the church. They... they had a lot of, uh, of crazy fights on the way out, and it wasn't healthy, all because they were so, she was so focused on how well she did in school. I think we do this with our lives. We get so focused on our, we get so zoomed in, so magnified on our problems that we don't see the bigger picture. And when I had talked to the other girl who had been, she's like, I was just trying to help. I was just trying to give advice. She's like, I'm not sure why she's making a big deal out of it. It's not like she's lost her father. That literally, that was the argument that she gave to me. She's like, if, if she could take a step back and see the big picture, she would realize that not doing well in school is not a big deal. And yet, when we are experiencing pain, sometimes we get so narrowly focused, we miss out on what God is doing. We miss out on God's big picture. Mary and Martha, I think, had to be reminded that beyond our pain, God brings perspective. The passage continues, uh, and we see the third truth. This third truth is that beyond pain, God deserves praise. Beyond our pain, God deserves praise. Even when it doesn't seem like things are going the way that we want, even when it seems like we are not in a position where uh, we are ready to thank God for what he's doing, it doesn't matter. God still deserves our praise. Even when it's painful, even when our life feels chaotic, even when we're challenged, we still need to be reminded that if God has a plan and God helps us to bring perspective that what we're dealing with is only temporary, that if Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that even if we're experiencing death in this world, we still have something greater, eternity with heaven. 
And if that's the case, then no matter what we're experiencing, God deserves praise. Even when it's hard. Even when we've lost our jobs. Even when a family member is ill. Even when we're not doing well in school. God deserves praise. And we we can't imagine how things can get any worse. We can be reminded of feeling this way before. If you can think back on a time where you thought this is the worst, this is worse as, as, as bad as it's going to get. It can't get any worse than this. And if you re- remember back on some of those times, you can see how God has helped you out through your pain in the past. Maybe you haven't been able to experience that, um, but there are plenty of people who have. And that's a, a great thing for the church to be able to be here for one another. When you are experiencing pain, talk to somebody else who's gone through that same thing and seen how God takes them through that pain and actually does something amazing. When my brother passed away, I didn't know what God was doing. I questioned God, why did you allow this to happen? He's only uh, 19 years old. He just had become a believer in Jesus. He actually seemed like he was on the right track. God, why would you let something like that happen? But it wasn't more than a few months that both of my parents became followers of Jesus Christ. They trusted in Jesus as their Savior. They got connected in the church. Their lives were changed. And in the moment, I was like, why? My parents were furious. My mom was, was incredibly frustrated. My dad became, like, he really clamped down on my life. Like, I couldn't do anything because he was afraid that I was going to to be hurt. But then, a few months later, I get to see that my mom and dad have come to know Jesus as their Savior. My grandpa came to know Jesus as the Savior. And I don't, I know that my brother's death had a a direct impact to my, my parents, but our ministry for years afterwards gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with my grandpa who trusted in Christ things that I wouldn't expect to happen, but because of who God is, beyond pain, God deserves praise. And in the moment, it's hard to see. The passage continues in in verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now, Mary, I think, already knows that he's here, but she wasn't quite ready to go. Now Jesus is saying, come, come on, I, I want to talk. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, I kind of see this, like, storming in, like, all right, Jesus, <laughs> like, let me tell you something. But she rose quickly and went to him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that uh, she was going to the tomb to weep. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that Martha had just said. She's dealing with this grief. If you were here, you could have, you could have healed him. Now, when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And I've heard this a lot of times, shortest verse in the Bible, but such an impactful verse, a verse that you get to see the humanity of Jesus come out. Jesus weeps for Lazarus. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now this kind of comes out that uh, as you look at Jewish culture, uh, they would often have to, even poor families were required to pay for professional mourners and wailers when it came to somebody in your family dying. And so these people, these women that were from uh, the Jews that were coming with Mary, they saw her, thought she was going to go mourn. So it's like, well, it's our job. Let's go and mourn with her. And she, they go out and they're just like wailing. They're grieving. They didn't really know Lazarus. They didn't really know Martha and Mary and know the grief that they're going through. They're just doing it because they are told that they're supposed to grieve. They're supposed to wail. They're supposed to mourn. And Jesus sees them and their fakeness. And Jesus sees Mary and Martha and understands the, the struggle of Lazarus' death. And he weeps. But at the same time, there's a frustration that they don't understand that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. These people that are coming because they're, the custom tells them that they're supposed to grieve and mourn uh, with them and just wail, the professional wailers. And so Jesus says, uh, or Jesus weeps, and then in verse 36 says this, so the Jews said, how, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind, or blind man also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus knows what they're thinking. Jesus knows what they're saying. They don't fully understand what he's doing, what he's capable of. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor. It's true. Usually, four people dead, or four, people, four days dead uh, in a tomb, right? Four days dead in a tomb, that is not going to be pretty. That that's going to smell bad. It's not going to be a good idea. But Jesus knows something different. He has a plan. He has a different perspective. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, those professional wailers, those professional criers, it was kind of from the culture of this idea that if, if people were hurting themselves, being grieved, if they were in pain, that God would listen to them. If they were showing their pain, this outward presence, then God would see them. But God knows their hearts. 
He doesn't need to see them outwardly wailing, especially when the outwardly wailing wasn't a real inwardly grief. So Jesus makes the statement, Lord, I know that you hear me, right? I know that you hear me. And it's amazing to think that, that Jesus knows that the Father hears him. Even when things aren't going the way that everybody else has planned, God is still listening. And you don't have to outwardly grieve so that others can see what's going on. God listens. He knows you. He thinks you're important. He loves you. And he cares about you even when you're going through pain. Even when Jesus is weeping and sad for what has happened. The Father is still listening. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Then he had said, or when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died. John is clear on this. He had died. This wasn't somebody who just, they forgot to check to see if he was still breathing, wrapped him up, threw him in a cave. He was dead. He was dead for four days. The man who was dead. Not the man who was really ill, not the man that had just been buried, but the man who was dead. The man who had died came out as his, hand, or his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. That's, that's just amazing. And it looks forward to when Jesus is going to be resurrected himself. Jesus has the power over death. Even when it's four days dead, Jesus rose the dead. And Jesus would rise from the dead later on. He is the resurrection and the life. So that brings us to our final point. Something, an action step that we should take. So we have three truths and this last thing I would love for you guys to be able to do and that's to believe Jesus will get you through the pain. Even when things seem challenging, even when things seem chaotic, even when things are painful. Remember that Jesus, who can raise people from the dead and can give new life to people, he will get you through the pain. And why did I say believe Jesus? Because sometimes you're like, well, that's just so trivial just to say believe. Just believe Jesus. Nine times in this chapter, the word believe is used. Believe Jesus will get you through this pain. Believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Even when things seem crazy and it's hard to actually believe in Jesus when we're experiencing pain. If you believe in Jesus and believe Jesus will get you through the pain, your perspective will change. The praise that you will give to God will be there And the plan will be better understood, even if the plan is simply, I'm just going to trust, and I don't know exactly what you're doing. When your life is full of chaos, remember God created beauty out of chaos, even in the beginning. 
When your life is painful, remember that God brings life through death. So no matter how much pain you're experiencing, God brings life. And when your life is challenging, remember that God brings peace in the midst of the storm. And I'll leave you with this. Heidi's great-grandpa was a stonemason. And after he retired from being a stonemason, he took up a hobby of stained glass. It's actually really beautiful. We'd see some of the, the artwork that he would do. He would do Tiffany replicas, and he was really good at it. And so we'd see all this stained glass that he would do, and you'd see the beautiful light. You would see everything that's going on that had been done in this finished product. But sometimes he would still have little pieces that he was working on. And you would look at the piece of stained glass, and it was just a shattered piece of glass. It was broken. And that shattered piece of glass needed to be set in the right place. It needed to be uh, put in a a position where it was going to properly reflect the light. For a lot of our lives, we're experiencing the shattering of glass. (laughs) And yet, God has something beautiful in store for us. Let's reflect on how God has worked through your pain in the past and remember that God is a plan for the pain in the future. Our life gets narrowly focused when we deal with pain, but beyond our pain, God has a plan. Beyond our pain, God brings perspective. Beyond our pain, God deserves praise. Brothers and sisters, please believe that Jesus will get you through the pain. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful for you, for your scriptures, that we get to see others go through pain, go through trials, and we get to see how Jesus responded to them. And I I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I know they're experiencing pain. Maybe not now. Maybe it's something that happened years ago and they're still working through it. Maybe it's something that they're worried about that they think is going to come in the future and they have this dread. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to know that you have a plan. Help them to see your perspective. Help them to be able to praise you and help them to believe you and believe that Jesus is going to get them through the pain. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.